with Margaret Coatman Frankowitz with another episode of Diabetic Survival. First off, I want to thank you very much for listening. Um, your support really does mean a lot to me. And I want to wish those celebrating Thanksgiving this week a very happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully you're with family and friends and those encouraging you not to eat a lot because remember you are diabetic. But with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and skip into today's session about what I want to talk about. Okay, so here it is. Okay, so you've probably, <laughs> you've probably heard the old, old age saying, if you don't want diabetes, don't eat a lot of sweets and don't eat a lot of food. Okay, yeah, we've all heard that. Yeah, don't get fat and you might get diabetes, right? Well, you know what, go ahead and scratch that out. Just, just, you know what? Scratch them out as fools. They don't know what they're talking about. I- I'm going to tell you why here in a minute, okay? And this is this is probably going to make you laugh or something. I don't know. Anyways, I was actually doing a little bit of, you know, searching uh, for information on why, for instance, they're actually using Gila Monster, uh, like a peptide in it, to actually control diabetes. Now, this is not new news, okay, by any means. This is like 12-year-old news, like it was out 12 years ago. And Gila Monsters, they use a little bit of the poison from Gila Monster. In case of those who don't know, Gila Monsters are poisonous. So don't go looking for one besides they are an endangered species. So, you know, always check with your state on that. And no, don't go around licking Gila Monsters, please. They don't like that. Though, I, I gotta tell you a cute story about Gila Monster. Now, we used to have this Gila Monster when I was a kid. Now, it wasn't ours technically. It it had its own little habitat. And we didn't tell the park rangers where it was at because it was none of their business and none of our business. We just left it alone to live out its duration. Now, Gila Monster generally lives anywhere typically. Like, if it's it's in a habitat, it usually lives around 20 years. If it's outside of its habitat, it can live up to 38 years. So just leave them alone. Let them do their thing, okay? besides they're poisonous you don't want your kids or pets around them or whatever you don't want to take them home as a pet they're endangered just leave them alone okay so anyways so in one of my talks a couple of you know shows ago I was actually talking about um you know the once a week shot and getting that shot but you know I was kind of curious like where and how it was created and you know, because you, you heard stories about, you know, insulin being created from cows and stuff of that nature. And they use the cow insulin to actually put it in humans, which seems a little bit odd to me. But, you know, okay, whatever. Um, however, the uh, once a week shots or whatnot that some people type 2 diabetes actually take before they are diabetic or, you know, kind of like borderline diabetic. Like, where did that stuff come from? Well... Actually, like I said earlier, it's a peptide from the Gila Monster. They actually took it and ran with it. I started thinking about it. And, you know, one question leads to another question, which leads to a whole another question, which snowballs into many multiple questions. And I'm like, okay, I want... I like, I gotta know. I mean, what are... And I, I, I can't believe I never asked this, but this is why it's important to ask questions. Like I said in the last episode, you know, ask yourself one question a day course now this one question can blow up into like 20 to 100 questions but 
you know, the more information that you learn, the better prepared you're going to be, right? When the doctor says, hey, you know, what about a once a week shot instead of the metformin? It's just an option, you know, you can lose like 60 pounds and stuff like that. Okay, so yeah, I wanted to know like, like what this medication uh, like came from, why, why they developed it into a diabetes drug. I mean, I got these questions, why, how, when, with whom, what I got to do, how long am I going to live? Like if a Gila monster is only living like max in the wild 38 years, like does that mean my lifespan is going to be max 38 years if I'm on this drug? Like hopefully. So like anywhere between 20 and 38 years, is it going to, you know, there's a lot. Okay. So it's, it's complex. All right. Which is probably the reason why they like diabetics switch drugs every so often, but still metformin seems to be reigning supreme. I'm just saying if you switch drugs, okay, I'm not saying you should by any means and always check with your doctor before doing anything. That's my disclosure. Okay. So, um, I was looking into Gila monsters. I'm like wondering why they created like a poison. Like, cause I mean, Gila monsters are poisonous. You get bit by one. It's going to lower your blood pressure. It's going to, I forgot all the different symptoms and stuff, but you know, just don't go around licking Gila monsters. Like I said, because it's not going to do you any good. It's their saliva. So don't go French kissing any Gila monsters either. Probably not appropriate. Actually, I would say that's not appropriate. Just just leave them alone, okay? So, um, scientists have actually already developed the peptide. So, you future science, scientists out there in America, don't go thinking that you can create, re, you know, reinvent the... Well, I mean, don't go around reinventing the wheel. Just use the science you have, okay? So, anyways, not a new experiment there, okay? They've already French-kissed the Gila monster for you, I guess, to test this out. Okay, all jokes aside... Um, so, so it, that has since evolved into new different types of medications. The first medication that was actually issued to diabetics was actually an injectable that you actually use twice a day. And that has since, um, with, with good science, has actually progressed to one shot a week. So, and of course the changing of the name of the brand of the diabetic medication, which I can't remember the name of it, so it doesn't even matter. Check with your doctor, they probably know. Uh, or a pharmacist, local pharmacist would know as well. Okay, so then I started asking questions like, like, do, like, animals? I mean, I, I don't know why this hasn't even, this hasn't even been a question in my brain of what, what other animals actually get diabetes. Well, cats get diabetes, dogs get diabetes, pigs get diabetes, and oh my gosh, even uh, chimpanzees get get diabetes it's either chimpanzees or monkeys or something like that and also dolphins but here's the interesting thing about dolphins that they they were saying about it and this this actually brings up a whole other sort of questions that I'm going to need to eventually research and unfortunately the research that's out there is quite sketchy like I can't actually get the research information unless I start subscribing to things and you know, limited budget. I gotta work with what's free right now. This is the unfortunate cir- circumstance of this. Um, and some of those pages anyways, they're really old. They're like 12 years old. And there could be new research on top of that, which I'll never find out. So, um, 
But what was really interesting is dolphins. Dolphins actually have a turn on and a turn off switch. And, you know, they have a relatively long lifetime. I think their lifespan was about 30 years as well, which isn't bad. I mean, I mean, I kind of want to live longer than 30 years, but they have the ability to actually, like, they have the same diabetes mellitus that humans have. Like, the same, only they're able to turn it off and to turn it on. So, I mean, dolphins are a very interesting creature to actually study um, as to why they have this same type of gene and how they're able to turn it off and turn it on. Like, like some kind of crazy superpower, which I have mentioned before. Like, this isn't necessarily a bad thing if we learn how to harness it. I mean, no power is a bad thing as long as you know how to contain it and to control it. Would you agree? So, I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, most people are freaked out. Oh my gosh. Like, I wonder if Superman ever said, oh my gosh, I have all these superpowers. I don't know what to do. When I touch a wall, it blows a hole through it. And, like, my eyes are like lasers. I can burn things. And, yeah, uncontrolled, any of these superpowers can do all kinds of damage. But if we can learn how to harness it and learn how to control it, then it'll probably be to our advantage or our benefit. So let's learn how to turn it around, right? So then with drugs like uh, metformin, you can actually turn off that switch for a period of time or actually reduce the control of it so it doesn't destroy you. As you know, even Superman had a weakness. It was called kryptonite, right? Our weakness is sugar. Everybody knows that. Like, even people who don't know about diabetes know sugar's a weakness. Stay away from it. So, I'm staying away from... I call it, like, the kryptonite or the poison. And interestingly enough, I have always called sugar poison. So, I'm always reading the back of bottles to see what is in it. Now, a little bit of poison isn't bad, but a whole lot of it is damaging, right? And so... If you do have to take in poison in your body, make sure some very small, minute amounts that won't send you to the hospital screaming. Okay, so dolphins were interesting. They could turn it off and turn it on. And it was interesting, the study about dolphins, because they could turn off the switch and turn it on. And the way that they turned off the switch of diabetes is they ate a lot of fish. And I mean, I've reported to you on this. I went on a fish diet. I actually turned off my diabetes by eating fish. Like, does that mean the majority of our meals have to have fish in it? Well, you know, okay, this is kind of like a touchy subject, but also catch-22, because with fish, you know, you have to be aware of mercury, and so you now have to be aware of the type of fish that you actually eat. Sardines are probably okay, tuna is probably a bad idea. So, um, when you eat sardines, good. And I think herring was one of the good ones, too. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong about that one, but herring is delicious. I love herring. But, um, yeah, mercury content's important, so, I mean, you could be eating poisonous fish. Not good. So, beware of that. But this may be the ability to turn off and to turn on the switches. So, then I started looking at it, because, of course, one question leads to another, and I'm like, wait, I don't have time for this, but I gotta, I gotta do a podcast on it, because this information's so fascinating, right? So, I'm like, okay, wait, wait, what is the, the oldest living mammal out there and I ended up getting the I think it was a beluga well um it was a well okay like it has a lifespan of like 200 plus years like crazy I mean the only other I mean there's a couple of other creatures as well that have 
ridiculously long lifespans like the jellyfish. Nobody really likes jellyfish. I don't know about that one. But um, also uh, the turtle. Certain turtles can have a ridiculously long lifespan. So these are the mammals I think we need to actually explore and see exactly what's going on with them and why they have such a long lifespan. So of course the longest living mammals don't like I don't know if they either haven't been studied for diabetes or it just hasn't been a problem or maybe they don't have the same what do they call them peptides or something that humans have. So when they were talking about the whale because I'm like fascinated by this now I'm like okay this whale has this 200 plus lifespan what are they eating? And this, this, this is going to go back to what I was actually talking about in the beginning. And of course, I'm a female, so I'm all over the place. You're just going to have to try to figure it out. But so, you know, when I said something about, you know, people and their basic instincts, you know, like the, the simps out there saying, well, you got diabetes. Maybe you shouldn't eat so much or maybe you shouldn't eat sugar or maybe you should lose some weight. Like these are like basic things, right? Like these are like. Like, wow, you have one brain cell in your head and that's all you can come up with? I mean, if you wanted to look like a simp, you look like a simp. When uh, you're saying, oh, you want to get rid of your diabetes? Stop eating sugar. I mean, this is simp-minded stuff. It's like, okay, you know, you didn't put on any lights in my head or anything of that nature. And obviously you don't know what you're talking about, so shh, quiet. Just, just stop. Don't get mad at them for being dumb. I mean, some people are just dumb, right? Okay, so anyways, uh, so what's going on with a whale's pancreas is what I want to know. Do whales get diabetes? For some reason, they're able to avoid diabetes and cancer risk. So I'm like, well, how much food do they eat? They eat two tons of food a day. Two tons. That's, that's your car and your neighbor's car worth of food a day or maybe just your car a day and then your neighbor's car the next day okay maybe that's more appropriate depends on how much your car weighs so um yeah it's, it's two tons that what are they eating they're eating mainly krill whatever krill is krill and uh some uh snacky cakes like crappy snacky cakes or something but mainly krill uh which is a very small type of but also, they're not chewing their food. They're swallowing it whole. And it's going through through the, their digestive tract, you know. And then it's you know, going out the other end. Um, very interesting. I mean, you're eating two tons of food. So, obviously, it's not uh, the food that's actually caused, causing the, di the diabetes. Now, let's go back to the uh, dolphin really quickly. Now, with the dolphin... And I'm not quite sure. I didn't look up how much food they ate or anything. But I, I looked at their habits and, and the, the studies that they actually did have it when it came to diabetes. Because, of course, uh, with a whale, or excuse me, with a dolphin actually being able to get diabetes mellitus, much like a human being, I'm like, how are they able to trigger it on and off? Well, okay, and then this is comparable to humans, too. Is what happens is... Um, you know, it's like that superpower I was talking about. When the dolphin actually goes to sleep, their diabetes or their blood sugars go up. And then when they wake up, which I have no idea how a dolphin sleeps. I don't look that up. Um, I, I think it'd be incredibly hard, but, you know, I'm not a dolphin. I don't know. 
Um, but when they wake up in the morning, you know, they're eating fish and their diabetes risk goes down. They're eating, they're eating, they're eating. Diabetes risk down, 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 down. But then I have more questions like, okay, so uh, these doctors like Dr. Fung and, uh, you know, everybody's actually saying that, that intermittent fasting is good for you. You know, try to take as long as you can to actually not eat any food and then just eat a little bit. But that means that during that period of time, you're not eating. Your diabetes risk is actually going up, which is kind of weird because people assume that eating actually leads to higher numbers, but actually it's the types of food that you decide to eat when you're actually awake. So, which actually is what causes diabetes. But, um, like, I've been through the whole frustrating process where I've checked my blood sugars and I've gotten to the point where I just threw my meter against the wall because it wasn't making any sense after a while because when you're eating right and you're eating what you're supposed to you know your, your little bit of foods uh, that you're allowed on the diabetic diet which is more like a, a five-year-old or whatnot would eat um and you're doing good you know you're having that little bitty portion of food in the morning little bitty portion of food at lunch if anything at all and then like a little moderate sized dinner, but not a lot in your counting your carbs, calories, etc. And then in the morning, your blood sugar is higher than ever the next day. And you're like, what the heck is going on? Right? We've all had those days. Raise your hand. Okay. So um, what's going on in that pancreas? Who knows what's going on in the pancreas? It has a mind of its own. Nobody's figured it out because blood sugars are all over the place. And the more you test your blood sugars, the more frustrated you get. So just throw it against the wall and save yourself a trip, right? Save yourself some some of that grief. But what's going on is in the liver, because the liver actually keeps us alive, right? So it actually is producing the stuff we don't want in our body. Our liver gets a lot of blame, but our our livers also are the ones keeping us alive. So that in periods of starvation, our liver kicks in and is actually sending out either these enzymes or whatever it's doing, you know, fats that clog the arteries. I don't know what it's doing its own thing and when it's diseased then it like is going crazy trying to protect other organs and various things within the body so I mean it it can get really complex really fast so like I said the blood glucose meter isn't going to do you a lot of good it's not going to help you (laughs) to um, fix your blood sugars all the time I mean I guess uh For some people it works great and especially if um, uh, you can get your blood sugars down below 100, it's it's working great. You just want to make sure that it's below 100 staying that way and you're going to adjust your diet if it doesn't. That's fine, but when it's over 100 and you know, like let's say like 140, 150 or so or 120 even and you can't do anything with it because you're already high already (laughs) and you just can't get it any lower. Um, that's when it becomes questionable because then it's like, okay, am I ever going to get my blood sugars normal without medication? Probably not. Go take your meds. So, that's what I have to say about that. So, I think it's it's pretty, blood sugars are kind of interesting. And knowing that you can turn these genes on or off in certain animals, such as the dolphin, that's interesting too. As a matter of fact, it's very intriguing and uh, even stu- studying what the reason why studying ocean life is so important is because uh, some of these oldest living creatures that actually live in the ocean have already been able to conquer 
this whole diabetes problem and it might the key solution might actually be eating fish so there i said it don't hate me for it i mean it is what it is now i live in part of the country where we have one of the highest incidences of diabetes and so that's an interesting type study too also a lot of the the people here are um they're they're not wealthy by any means a lot of them are poor they're working jobs that um that keep them poor and um of course their diets are consisting of things i'd prefer not to eat lots of carbs etc i mean it's, i'm not saying it's not good i mean cornbread's really tasty especially if you know how to prepare it right but uh, of course, something like cornbread is is kind of like a, a double whammy because not only is it carby, but you're also eating grains that probably have been genetically modified and not so great for you. So especially not for diabetic because it's just going to raise your blood sugar. But I'm going to tell you what, I made some bomb cornbread that I shared with my neighbor. <laughs> so, you know, just everything in moderation. Um, I'm probably not going to make any more of it until next year, but... Um, boy I'll tell you what it was good cornbread and with that being said okay so I was actually discussing um, the uh, the COVID-19 with someone and unfortunately they're not going to be you know eating Thanksgiving with their family because uh, I guess somebody in their family came down with COVID-19 and I just kind of looked at them strange and, you know, they're kind of disappointed too because, you know, that's what they did every year. But this year, uh, they, you know, they don't want to be exposed to COVID-19. And I, I honestly don't believe, or I should say believe it, that's not what I meant to say. I honestly don't think that they should attend is what I'm trying to say. Oh boy, total slip of the tongue there that I didn't mean to say. But, um, you know, nobody wants COVID, right? Well, here's the thing is even if you've had the injection to actually treat yourself, you've had uh, several boosters to um, actually prevent COVID-19. There's like six different variances out there now because uh, that COVID actually mutated. It it does it based off of survival instincts. So once enough people become uh, vaccinated towards one, then you end up getting like a super bug. And that happens with any virus. So there's a lot of things that are considered super bugs now that they actually have no vaccine for. And by the time they actually develop a vaccine, it's already um, morphed into something else. Kind of scary when you think about it. But once you have that common sense practicality actually um, imprinted on your brain, and you kind of look at it like, okay, well, you know, if you're going to get sick, you're going to get sick. There's nothing for it. Except for maybe some garlic soup and that's it. I mean, what else are you going to do? Yeah, I said garlic soup. I I hope that you don't drink garlic soup. I don't think that it's that actually is effective. Garlic's not as effective unless you're actually eating it raw, which is horrible. But, um, I, I, hi, and of course you, you know, I always have to say you got to check with your doctor. It's, it's a legal requirement, but, um. I've been doing the whole garlic thing for years, and this is the funny thing. I, 
you know, a few years ago, I knew I was getting sick. Um, this was right before COVID actually hit. And I knew that if I did the garlic, I could actually probably chase this bug out. And you, you're not going to believe this, but I absolutely could not even stomach the fact of chewing raw garlic. And that's absolutely when you should chew raw garlic and swallow it. I'm, I'm telling you, that's when you should do it because like there is this there is this uh, complete psychological game going on with you it's like the virus that's in you knows you're gonna kill it off with garlic i swear to goodness and so it will fight you when you try to eat raw garlic it'll just say that is the most repulsive pung pungent stuff ever like i'm not even kidding you this is what went on in my mind back then but um i thought i was I was like going, wow, you know, I know that this garlic's good for me and stuff. It's going to kill off any virus that I have in me. But my body's really repelling this. Like, it's not allowing me to have it. So I didn't have garlic at that time. And I ended up getting really sick because I didn't have the garlic, right? So now it's like even the inkling that I'm going to be getting sick or if I have somebody who's been sick around me now, I just automatically just start eating garlic. Because if I get to that point where I get too sick for the garlic... It's probably going to take me a while to get rid of whatever I have in me. And didn't you know it? I was sick. Um, and of course, this was back in 2019. I was so sick that, um, well, one, I couldn't even, I couldn't even tolerate the sight of garlic at the time, which was some kind of weird psychological thing going on because I, I don't, while I don't like garlic, mind you, um, unless it's actually cooked or in food and stuff of that nature. Um, eating it raw is is absolutely repulsive. I mean, I can think of worse things, but eating it, it's not so great. But for whatever reason, when you do eat it, it does a great job at killing whatever bugs that you have in you. It's just, it's, it's like a superfood. So, you know, go on with your, your, your handsome and beautiful selves and get yourself some garlic if you're feeling sick. Raw garlic from the bulb. Cut it down, put a little cheese with it, eat it before, you know, like if you have a coworker who's sick or whatnot, just just go ahead and, and do it because uh, you certainly don't want to catch whatever they had. And then you're going to keep your fingers crossed that you still don't get it because it still could happen. Keep some cans of chicken noodle soup on hand. Get some green tea or some tea with ginger. Slice up some ginger along with it with a little bit of lemon. And do everything your grandma taught you on how to cure colds or get rid of sickness or whatever. Because I'm telling you, nobody does it better than grandma. Grandma knew what she was talking about. Now, um, I, I have a friend who would kind of argue with me a little bit on that, but not really. And... Um, he, he wouldn't really argue with me on it, but, you know, the case for, for him, and I, I gotta mention him a little bit, because I have mentioned him in a previous podcast, but he would say that, um, pharmaceuticals are good because they actually get impurities out of your medicines, and this is very true. It's just that the FDA has kind of changed the regulations a little bit, so if they're actually putting something out on the market and they haven't rigorously tested it for six years beforehand six or seven years then um, you're going to have to also ask yourself the question do I want to be the experimental guinea pig for the pharmaceutical industry I'm just saying 
know it's it's worthy looking at so now again back to the well i know some of you are thinking goodness gracious i really don't want to live 200 plus years that's just absolutely crazy to me as crazy enough as it is i don't want to live 200 years well yeah i guess life gets a little bit harder when you age but not really um some people are extremely successful other people are struggling day to day but um okay only you can really make that determination i i find that even though i'm not hugely successful or even successful or even middle class um i still like life you know it's it's still pretty snazzy for me i like it um i like the fact that uh i like the idea of the fact that you know the idea of living to 200 or longer is actually possible so if i was a scientist i'd totally be looking into the longevity gene how to make human beings live as long as for instance this um this well i think it's a beluga well no it wasn't a beluga well it was some other type of well but this other well that can live up to 200 years at least so if we can actually get to that point where we can live up to 200 years, then we can actually focus on living to a thousand years um, or longer. Why not? Isn't it a waste that, that we have a life expectancy of, it's now 72 years, by the way. It used to be like 85 or 90 before. I thought it was much higher. But isn't it sad that we have a life expectancy expectancy of 72 years and social security for instance wanted us to increase our ages before we got on social security from 62 to 68 or something you know depending on which generation you're in i'm generation x so um that's what i'm looking at and i'm like you know i don't want to retire at 68 my family members don't even live that long So, um, like my mother, she died at 39, my father died at 56, and um, I don't necessarily have, like there's nothing special about me. If my parents had a short lifespan, I might have a short lifespan too, even though my grandparents, they lived well up into their mid-80s or sometimes close to 90, and uh, my great-grandparents, they had a long lifespan, but today's times are much different than what they were back then. We have... many more impurities actually put into our food and um that's not necessarily a good thing either that's uh another reason why i stress try to make your foods as whole as possible so you're much better off shopping at your local farmer if you if you're fortunate and lucky enough to have that a bit available to you than shopping at a grocery store where all your food's processed So back to the Gila monster, and I started thinking about this. How cool would it be if the Gila monster was the key to solving diabetes? Or even that well that I was talking about, the one that doesn't even get diabetes. But, um, and I don't know if Gila monsters get diabetes or not. Oh yeah, they do. They do. Um, the thing about diet, the thing about Gila monsters and the way that they actually, um, prevent diabetes, I guess is an enlarged pancreas yeah i know weird right so i I don't know much more than that because i didn't really go into detail in the the article but um i couldn't see it like i said i couldn't subscribe to it so 
is kind of interesting. And it was also an old article from back in 2010. And, you know, it's 2022 now. So I'm kind of like looking at it. I'm like, wow, this is really old. This information came out before I even knew I was pre-diabetic. And this does not mean much to me. Mm, I think I'm going to put it on the shelf. But then I remembered, you know, they have these little sayings that just kind of resonate with you and you may not know what to do with it so you put it on a shelf you know it's like one of those wise statements but you're not ready for it yet and like one of the statements it reminds me of somebody saying is that a little bit of poison is a whole dose of cure and that might be at least for now part of the cure towards not only diabetes but also weight weight management or weight loss so and then everybody knows that once you reduce some of that weight that your diabetes can actually go into remission does not mean it won't be back it can easily be inflamed and come back but at least if you're doing things proactively that help you to control your diabetes such as even taking your blood sugar numbers when you know it's going to frustrate you anyways and just jotting it down in a diary I mean, it's one of the things I hate to do. It's one of the things I have done in the past, but um, especially when uh, I realized that there was not really a lot I could do about it because it's like slowly creeping up and stuff like that. I just kind of like lost interest in it. Or like when it's the same number day in and day out when you actually change your foods and stuff of that nature and you, you go on more medications, it's just not going up. It's just not going down either then um, it's a little bit discouraging, but at least if you can jot down some notes how you feel or whatnot, it might actually help you out when you do find what actually does work for you. So, yeah, try different methods. I mean, there's nothing wrong in that. That's the same thing that um, you learn in weight loss, for instance, as well. If one diet stops working for you, you try a new diet, you try something else. Like, for instance, let's say you've tried keto and you were strict keto for two years and it's just not working for you anymore. Try something different. Take some key principles out of it and learn from something else. Or move on. Right? And maybe revisit it later. Or something of that nature. But, you know, keto is like one of the best ways to control diabetes. So far, so good. And as I said in the last podcast, it does not mean that your doctor is going to tell you to go on keto. He cannot do that. He's not a nutritionist. That's not what he's licensed for. If he at least told you no sugar and that's all he said, and then he walked away, it's because he knew that was a liability telling you that. And you had to figure out the rest. So a lot of times we diabetics are kind of thrown to the wild and we kind of have to go our own route and kind of figure things out and be our own best doctor and say what is good for us what's not good for us and before taking any drug of course not only check with your doctor but if your doctor is offering you stuff you need to actually do your research and find out what he's giving you such as a gila monster drug right um or the peptide i should say in this new drug or whatever that they have that isn't really new but it's new to you and then make your best informed decision of what is best for your health. But if a pharmacist is also telling you that metformin is superior, but here's this other drug that you would only have to take once a week, you're going to have to decide. Like for instance, let's say you're taking metformin twice a day, but you skip doses, and you know that's not good for you and your blood sugars are going up because of it. 
you may actually want to try a different drug to actually reduce your weight so that you can actually get back on track and then get back on your metformin later on after you've actually controlled your blood sugar numbers. It might actually work out, which is the reason why I suggest you might want to actually play around with the drugs to actually reduce weight or to get your blood sugars in check so that when you go back on your metformin, uh, because metformin is a great stabilizer um, and uh, preventer of your blood sugars climbing long run, that you can make that kind of informed decision. And if you need to see a dietitian, by all means, go see a dietitian. And if you need to see a therapist, by all means, go see a therapist. It's not uncommon for diabetics to actually suffer from anxiety and depression. So if you have that type of issue going on, I seriously suggest getting that issue taken care of before it actually causes consequences for your life that can actually um, do some damage to you in the long run. So like you certainly don't need to get depressed because of a job loss, for instance, and destroy your finances and have everything taken away from you. So I mean, that stuff can happen and that's where it's actually affecting your well-being or even the well-being of others. And so of course you want to try to prevent that. Okay, I've had my piece and of course I'm going to actually like, like this is kind of like one of those decisions where um, I wish I would have done it before, but I definitely will be having it in future podcasts where if I do find information out there in regards to mammals and research and what it could actually mean to humans, I'm certainly going to actually put that in my podcast for future use. Now, mind you, this is okay. I got to say this, this is for entertainment purposes only. Um, like you can entertain these ideas. Don't, don't do not follow on any principle without checking them out with your doctor or your pharmacist or your dietitian or your endocrinologist. I mean, always follow up any plans or sorts that you want to do with these doctors. They are the pros when it comes to managing your health. But at the same time, if you do not start asking questions or whatnot, you're going to be boxed to where you're going to be treated as a generic and you're going to go the generic route, which is eventually death. And I would hope that you would want to increase your lifespan, which is the reason why I'm talking about this stuff. So my goal is not only to take a record of what I'm trying to possibly do, because I am very proactive when it comes to managing diabetes but also to see what else is out there and can actually make my life a little bit more tolerable than what I've, I've previously been on, such as keto. Keto's a really strict diet. I mean, anybody who's on keto knows this. Anybody who's on keto as a diabetic knows that uh, to eliminate all carbs completely, 100%, is downright painful at times, especially around the holidays. It's like, okay, yay, everybody's eating and I have to eat keto pie. You know, I made it myself. has no sugar in it. Might have some sugar alcohols in there. I don't even know how that's going to affect my blood sugar, but at least I know I can eat that. And I might be able to have some turkey. Oh, no, you put sugar on it? I can't have it at all now. Yeah, sugar completely ruins food, people. Corn syrup, too. That stuff's horrible. That stuff, that, you know, that stuff's going to send you to your emergency room. Just stay away from that stuff. Um, as I always said, like corn syrup and sugar and even some fruits out there, I just label them as poison. I mean, they got the little skull and crossbones going on there. I don't see them as being any different. But 
you know, a little bit of, of poison is good. Too much of it will kill you. Just keep that in mind so you can lick the turkey. Just don't eat it if it's laced with sugar, okay? So, um, and don't like the whole piece, just a little taste. All right, I know that's impossible. All right, but this has been Margaret Coleman Frankowitz, and hopefully you found me funny or entertaining, if not useful and practical. And um, it's been a pleasure to actually present this podcast to you. Thank you so much for listening. If you think somebody can uh, benefit from this, please do not hesitate to share. Uh, the more viewers, the better, of course. I've I have not been proactive at all in promoting my channel because there's so many other amazing podcasts. I wouldn't say podcasts. I haven't really found an amazing diabetic podcast. But um, YouTube presentations, I should say, that are actually on YouTube in regards to diabetes, new test studies, etc. I hope you explore your options out there. There's some great pieces out there. Um, I'm just the diabetic girl going through the diabetic world, discovering new things every day and just trying to share that light uh, with you um, that may help you to actually uh, possibly explore channels too. And by all means, if you if you hit a breakthrough moment or your eureka moment and it cures diabetes for the rest of your life and you know this for a fact because you've been cured for seven years, please share that. All right. Thank you so much. God bless. Be kind to each other. And you have a great day.